0: It's tough to put together a team at this level, especially a first-year team, but I think they did a pretty good job. They've been competitive in every game and you know they, they did a decent job given the uh, the time
1: frame they had and, and what they were up against. Professional baseball is back on Staten Island as thousands of fans flock to St. George on Tuesday night to watch the Staten Island Ferry Hawks open up the team's home ballpark with a rousing win. podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on staten island with the reporters who cover them i'm your host eric bascom and this week i'm joined by staten island advanced sports reporter nick regina to discuss the borough's new professional baseball team and the ferry hawks commitment to engaging the staten island community thanks for joining me today nick we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now and this is actually the first time that we've had someone on to talk sports
0: well, first off, I'm glad to be on, Eric. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know you and I always kind of talk sports from afar, so it's it's cool to chop it up with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. The majority of our coverage is geared towards high school sports, um, the 13 high schools on the island that play sports. We cover every sport, so we don't really have a specific beat, maybe the way we used to. We also cover youth and rec stuff, some national news, and um, lately, uh, new to the sports page, gambling, and of course, now the ferryhawks hawks that I know we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, <laughs> I think that the, the youth sports sports and the high school sports has always been such a big thing here on Staten Island, right? Because it's so cool when you're a little kid, you have a good game at Little League, you see yourself in the paper the next day, two doubles, couple RBIs, a few strikeouts on the mound, all that kind of stuff. So I know, you know, my parents used to get the paper, clip that stuff out. So I know the fact that we're still kind of doing that is, is something that the Staten Island community definitely appreciates. So Definitely love the, the work that you guys are doing there. But let's jump into the main reason we're having you on, which like you said, last night was the home opener for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. It's the borough's new professional baseball team that's playing in the St. George ballpark that was formerly home to the now dissolved Staten Island Yankees, which we'll get to in a little bit. But first, you know, both of us were at the game, but what can you tell me about Tuesday's home opener? How was the crowd? What was the energy like? What was, you know? What was it like having baseball back in the borough? Well, first
0: off, uh, a 4-1 win for the Ferry Hawks, which is uh, a, a new a, a new thing in the column for them. They were 0-9, snapping an 0-9 starts. so first and foremost, nice for them to get a win on Staten Island. Uh, we got to see former Major League All-Star Julio Tehran throw a gem. As far as the crowd, it was an announced crowd of over 5,000. Uh, you and I were both there. I think it's safe to say that it was probably closer to half that number, but that said, the ballpark was... Pretty loud, I think. Yeah, the people who were there were definitely into it. There was definitely an energy and and like a tangible feel to to the crowd. That said, it was a Tuesday night. It was football weather. It was pretty cold, and there's a Rangers playoff game going on. So you know, maybe maybe it impacted the numbers a little bit. But the people who were there, it was it was pretty pretty awesome. I thought.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think the energy in there was great. Uh, everyone seemed really excited to be there, back watching baseball. They did some really cool stuff with the stadium now that we'll talk about in a little bit. And the the game was fun. Like you said, Tehran was awesome. The first inning, he gives up a home run and you're like, oh man, here we go again. Are we going for another loss here? But, you know, he settled in. I think he went six with just that one run given up. And then the offense got going a little bit, had some big hits. And so it, it was a really fun game. I like the energy, the crowd. You know, like you said, it wasn't exactly as full as you might have thought in the in the seats. But from what I understand, all the suite level was sold out. That it was very packed up there, and those people up there were loud. They were rowdy. They were chanting throughout the game, and so I just really enjoyed having it back here on Staten Island. But you know, let's backtrack a little bit because uh, this is a story that I don't think everyone is super familiar with. It's a little confusing at points, but you know. For years everyone was just used to seeing the Staten Island Yankees playing in that stadium but you know that changed a couple years back when the MLB decided to reduce the size of its minor league system and Staten Island Yankees were unfortunately among the dozens of casualties in that so can you just tell us a little bit about you know what happened there with the Staten Island Yankees and then how we ended up with this brand new team? So the writing was
0: kind of on the wall a little bit for the Staten Island Yankees, right? Major League Baseball was looking to cut money, especially after the pandemic. 42 minor league teams were contracted. It was a cost-cutting initiative, and it generally affected minor league teams that weren't generating uh, or were struggling to generate revenue. So the writing was kind of on the wall for them. From day one, Borough President, now former Borough President, James Otto, was really adamant about... Bringing a team back into that ballpark and not wasting that beautiful ballpark. Because it really is a beautiful ballpark. And it's something that, you know, Staten Island has. It's a luxury. I'm sure he was shopping it around and he got some big name investors involved. uh, Namely, John Katsidamedes, who's the owner of the team. They pulled in some other name power guys from SNL. Pete Davidson, Michael Shea, Colin Yost. Those guys are all involved with the team. And now here we are. About a year later, we we have a baseball team.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. You know, I ran into Jimmy Otto at the game and, you know, just pulled him aside and thanked him, really, for making this kind of getting the ball rolling. I'm not going to say making it happen. It wasn't all him. Obviously, there were a bunch of people involved, but he is just a huge baseball guy, as anyone who knows him knows. And that was one thing that he was really set on doing before he left office, was making sure that he found a way to get that ballpark used and get baseball back, kind of, in Staten Island, and and I really commend him for for the work he's done there. But let's get into another kind of interesting part of this. So, you know, a lot of baseball fans are familiar with the old the minor league system that the Staten Island Yankees were in but the FerryHawks are actually in the Atlantic League which is a partner league of the of the MLB but the teams are not necessarily tied to any major league clubs or in the actual minor league system so for our listeners who are kind of unfamiliar with it what exactly is the atlantic league how does that work so the atlantic league is an independent professional
0: baseball league there's a number of them in the country but the atlantic league is generally recognized as the the top independent league in the country it's professional baseball it's not minor league baseball there is definitely a distinction but the overwhelming majority of the players in the league are former minor leaguers There's more than 50 former major leaguers in the league. There's a couple on the Staten Island squad. But it's high-level baseball. It's probably on par with double-A or triple-A minor league ball. The league has a relationship with Major League Baseball. Its main purpose to MLB is mainly as a testing site for potential rule changes. One that we saw spawn directly out of the Atlantic League is the three-batter minimum rule in major leagues now, mm-hmm. um, where relievers have to come in and face a minimum of three batters before they can be before you can change out your pitchers. That's something that started right in the Atlantic League, and they, they do a lot of experimentation like that, and we wind up seeing some of those rules at the major league level.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Like you mentioned, kind of using it as a testing ground for some of these different things. I know last year they were doing some stuff there. They, they've removed the rule changes for this year, but last year they were testing, moving the mound back a foot. They were doing an automated strike zone. So I think anything that can give the MLB just a chance to kind of test this stuff out and see how it could work potentially at the, at the higher levels is, is really a great thing. So we're just happy to have a league here, and very excited about that. One one thing you
0: might have seen last night, and I, I, I could see it from the stands, was the, the giant bases.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: If you, I, I'm sure a lot of people noticed that the bases are. I think I think it's a, a ten inches bigger than a normal base, or something mm-hmm. like that. But that's something that they're trying out this year that maybe we'll see in Major League Baseball at some point.
1: Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of cool that we could see that stuff early, right? Especially, you, you maybe it pops up in the MLB a few years from now, and you're like, oh, I remember that. They were doing that very hill team. And league. another
0: thing for locals, uh, local guys who like guys and girls who play softball, baseball on the island, men's league or high school level or rec level. We had three Staten Island umpires doing the game last night, too, from the Staten Island Baseball Umpires Association. Oh, wow. So uh, I know a lot of guys were talking about that and seeing guys who have maybe called their men's league game out there calling... Uh, games that uh, Julio Tehran's pitching in. So that's pretty cool, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. You know, this isn't a minor league affiliate, like we said, anymore. They're not associated with the New York Yankees any in any way. So they needed to find a new name, right? And I thought it was really cool that the owners decided to kind of engage the community, which is something that we'll, we'll get to later, something they've been really good at. And they held this naming contest. So can you tell us a little bit about what that process was like and how we ultimately ended up with the with the Fairy Hawks?
0: Yeah, and like you said, they're not affiliated with the Yankees anymore, though. Uh, Randy Levine, who's a high-level executive with the Yankees, is a, a part owner. So that's why the YES Network was brought in last night to stream the game. But uh, as far as the uh, the team name, there was a, uh, a, f- a fan submission contest. All the, all the uh, entrants were submitted by fans. WABC ABC Radio held the poll and uh, Ferry Hawks was the overwhelming fan vote winner. So that was pretty cut and dry. That's how we wound up with the name. It was submitted by a fan, and uh, the vote really determined that overwhelming winner.
1: Yeah, and you know, the Ferry was kind of my favorite coming out of that, too, once they released the group of names that were left. I and mean, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, what's a Ferry Hawk? And I'm like, ah, who cares? It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's by the ferries. we got the falcons kind of flying around in the in the harbor sometimes. You just... Sometimes you just gotta make it happen. Some of the other names, they were alright. I mean, the Green Belters reference to all the Green Belt, the park space that we have here, that one's okay. You know, they had the the Harbor Heroes, which, you know, to me kind of sounded like a spin-off of the Paw Patrol. So I wasn't really a huge fan of that one. But I thought it was cool that they've kind of found ways to incorporate the other names into some of the stuff that they're doing at the stadium now. So you've got the the mascot Frankie is wearing a green belt, kind of uh, an homage to the to the green belters' name. The they're doing, you know, the salute to service stuff that a lot of teams do. They're doing the Harbor Hero of the game, which was the the oldest family, which I thought was a really nice touch during the home opener. So I think they did a really good job with the naming process and an even better job with the logos, the colors, the uniforms. I think the Fairy Hawks just kind of lends itself very well to that. So uh, I was happy with the name. I know some people are like, what's a Fairy Hawk? But uh, whatever it is, I like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, at this level of baseball, you have to have fun with stuff like that. Like I remember when Manny Ramirez was playing minor league baseball years ago, he was on the Albuquerque Isotope, which is yes. such a ridiculous name, but everyone bought the hat and the jersey, and it, and it was awesome. And I, I think the Ferry Hooks name. One thing that you pointed out, the logos, the colors are awesome, man. So like they good. really pop, especially on that field that that orange logo and the home uniforms. I, I'm not gonna rag on the the road uniforms; they're a little plain, mm-hmm. maybe, you know. Maybe the, maybe. They touched that up a little in the future, but the home uniform, I thought, really popped, especially on that field.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They did a really great job with that. All right, so they got their new name. Next, next on the agenda was finding coaches that, you know, not only had kind of the baseball expertise that was needed, but they also found guys who had ties to the New York market. And former met Eduardo Alfonso and Nelson Figueroa, serving as the manager and the pitching coach. Can you just tell us a little bit about those guys and why the owners felt like they would be such a good fit for this team? Right,
0: so, you know, they had to put butts in the seats, right, and the, the way to do that is name power, and I think Edgardo Alfonso was the first big move they made, that's a name that everyone around here knows, uh, Met, former Mets All-Star, played in a World Series, the Subway Series, um, so everyone knows Edgardo Alfonso around here, he's something of a New York City legend, um, but as far as Figgy goes, Nelson Figueroa, he's kind of a community guy, he's a Brooklyn guy, he mm-hmm. did pitch in the Major Leagues for about a decade, so he has the experience, but uh, he's, ve- he's very personable, too, and he's he played in Staten Island men's leagues. So every- a lot of people really know him in the area, and, and he's he's a good dude and-, and a good baseball guy. And He's the pitching coach and, you know, with a decade of experience at the major league level. You know, they have two guys who are not only good guys, but but uh, good people, too, and I-, I think
1: it's a good fit for Staten Island. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisee a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. I know that, um, it's really cool, especially for Mets fans like myself, because these are guys that you watch growing up, right? I mean Alfonso's there on the when I'm, you know, a little kid watching those early two thousands teams and then Figueroa was pitching for them for a while and kind of the mid two thousands the twenty tens in that area, kind of fifth starter kind of guy giving them some innings when they needed it. And he, like you mentioned, is just seems pretty beloved in the community. I mean, there were so many times I was right on the third baseline last night. So uh, he was in the bullpen sessions, right, right over there. And every time he's walking past, you got people in the crowd like Figgy, Figgy, you know, it gives him a little thumbs up or whatever. So I I thought it was cool. And they did a really nice job there. Like I said, getting guys that not only obviously know their stuff, but also they, they know New York and the people here know them. And so I think that that was really important but all right so they got their team name they got their coaches next up was you know actually finding players to fill out the roster and play in the game so what was that process like was it tryouts was it reaching out to former pros looking at college players how did they kind of go about that so I think they really exhausted all of their options
0: and they had to do it in about two or three weeks so everything came together really fast and I think that's a big part of the reason probably why they started 09 their spring training was literally a week long at CSI It was the first time some of those guys and girls, Kelsey Whitmore, were meeting each other. Um, And then you throw them on a bus and say, hey, go play nine games on the road. So, you know, it's tough to put together a a team at this level, especially a first-year team. But I think they did a pretty good job. They've been competitive in every game, and and some of the players, um, you know, obviously Kelsey Whitmore is the name everyone knows. USA National Women's Baseball Team, college soft, softball star at Cal State. You've probably seen her on MLB Network this week if you if, mm-hmm. if you watch, you know. So she she's a big name. And yesterday we got to see a former All Star pitch, you know, on on opening day on Staten Island, Julio Tehran. You know, he started a number of opening days for the Atlanta Braves and he's starting opening day on Staten Island for the Ferryhawks at 31 years old. He's still He's still got a lot left in the tank um, and then we see some from uh, some former Staten Island Yankees, guys like Ben Ruda, Angel Aguilar. So some guys that people will recognize uh, in the local community. And then there's some other names like Reimer Liriano, who's a former major leaguer. And hopefully at some point we'll see Dilson Herrera because that's another issue they've had putting together the team. They have a lot of foreign overseas players and some of those guys are still getting their visas worked out and stuff yeah. like that. So some of the guys still, still coming together uh, 10 games into the season, but... You know they they did a decent job given the uh, the time frame they had and and what they were up against. Yeah, and
1: and we got Casey Clemens
0: too, right? Yes, Casey Clemens, son of Roger. How could how could I forget him? He hit hit a ball almost 400 feet off the wall last night. Yeah. So yeah, definitely some name power. And we had Roger Clemens in, in one of the uh, the luxury booths last night. Uh, you pop your head out and you
1: see the Rockets standing there, uh,
0: looking bigger than everybody else in the park, you know, so that's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to some of my buddies about the Ferry Hawks, and they were like, oh, off to this 0-9 start. It's kind of tough. What are they? And I was basically telling them what you did was that, you know, they kind of had to throw this thing together last minute. And when you think about it, this is a league that already existed, right? So this is essentially an expansion team. But it's not like they had an expansion draft. It's not like they could take players from other teams and all that kind of stuff, you know, as you see in, like, the profession, you know, the higher-level leagues when an expansion team is added. So this is just, you know, put together a roster of guys and, and kind of throw them out there and girls, like we said with Kelsey. Yeah, um, and from from what I understand,
0: Julio Tehran actually had to meet the team on their first road trip. He wasn't on the bus because his contract wasn't finalized yet. Oh, wow. And he wound up starting opening night. Wow. Uh, that was kind of like a last-minute throwing-together thing, from what I understand, so... They definitely had some obstacles up against them, but it's it's nice to see them uh, hopefully start to turn it around now that they're at home.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, in prepping for this inaugural season, the Ferry Hawks made, you know, a number of improvements to the ballpark there, which even received a new naming sponsor, a new name for the ballpark, all that stuff. So. Tell us a little bit about some of the changes that Staten Islanders can expect next time they get out
0: there. Yeah, I mean, two, two or three of the, the real tangible things that you'll feel at the ballpark. One, the playing surface, uh, surface like we mentioned, uh, that field is unbelievable with that view of the Manhattan skyline in the background. Um, this fresh field turf, $10 million makeover project. Um, like I said, the logo is really, it, it, it almost looks like a San Francisco Giants logo. It looks yeah. like a major league field in a major league stadium, and it, and it played like one last night, too. We saw that ball go 400 feet to dead center and knock it out, you know. Um, so so that's that's the coolest thing, the, the, the biggest visual I think you'll see. Um, as far as some stuff in and around the stadium, uh, the food seems very different to me. Uh, some of the outside vendors they brought in, like Gino's uh, cheesesteaks, uh, Kettle Black, some stuff that maybe the old ballpark didn't really have that you were kind of stuck with those general concession-type options where mm-hmm. now you have a little variety. And the other thing that was the biggest pleasant surprise to me last night was the parking, um, the Empire Outlets yeah. garage, um, right next door, because that was my biggest fear covering those games uh, years ago, the Staten Island Yankees, was finding a place to park and, and getting in the ballpark on time, but last night it was five minutes in and out of the garage, you know, that was, uh, that was the best thing I noticed as far as off the field stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I thought it was interesting too, this is a, a trend that we've seen with a lot of uh, stadiums and arenas lately, is going fully cashless, you know, covid kind of prompted this but i think places are coming to realize it's just a lot more efficient so you know everywhere you go you buy a beer you buy food you buy merch you just kind of tap your card and go which is nice and then for the people who you know might not have a card or only carry cash i saw in your article i thought this was interesting they have kind of these reverse atm machines they're talking about where you put in money and then they give you kind of like a disposable card for the venue that will have that set amount on it so I thought that was kind of a cool workaround to you know have all the benefits of the cash list but then also allow people if that's you know their primary way of paying things to to still be able to obviously buy stuff at the stadium so i thought that was really cool too but yeah almost like an arcade right like going to dave and buster's exactly exactly you <laughs> load 20 bucks on for a couple beers at a hot dog but uh so you know we, we've touched on this a little bit but you know it's been a slow start for the fairy hawks uh, that might even be a bit of an understatement but we did get this one win uh, and they have another game. So, you know, just for our listeners, we are recording on Wednesday afternoon. They have only played the, the one home game so far. They're one and nine, but by the time you listen to this, it might be a little different. But, you know, so what can the team do, you know, to kind of improve on where they are so far and, and get a few more wins as we kind of get going into the, into the teeth of the regular season?
0: Well, there's definitely some physical things they can clean up, right? But talking to some of those guys, Nelson Figueroa, Kevin Krause, some of the guys on the team. Uh, it seems like it's almost a more of a mental thing. Like uh, the, they're t- really trying to build the chemistry. Nelson
1: Figueroa is a former New York Met and the pitching coach for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. It was a tough spring training here in Staten Island. Uh, cold weather mixed with rain, and you know we could only get so much work in. At eight days this isn't enough to you know know exactly what we have and who we are as a team. Uh, we went on a ten-day road trip, starting with a ten-and-a-half-hour bus ride. We get in and uh, get right to work. And every one of those games were pretty close. You know, we keep our heads up and we keep going out there trying to change the outcome of the game, but we're, the intensity has to remain the same and we have to not make the same mistakes twice. It's very tough to say, you know, we're having fun because of the 0 and 9. This isn't how anybody predicted that it was going to start. Um, difficult conditions, but hopefully you build from this. There's 132 games in the season, and so we still have a, a lot of games left to play.
0: Again, like I said, a lot of these guys haven't even known each other for a month yet, let alone played and practiced together. Um, Monday night, they took the field on Staten Island for the first time for a, for a, a quick two-hour practice, and then Tuesday, they're, they're playing a game on it for the very first time. They were at CSI for a week, so they really haven't played baseball on Staten Island. A lot of these guys really haven't played or even talked to each other before. So I think the biggest thing is probably the chemistry and building that, but as far as on the field... Uh, the bullpen's really shaky. We saw that almost play out last yeah, night in the ninth inning where they stranded the bases loaded, tying run on first. But uh, the bullpen's cost them a couple games. They could probably easily have three or four wins by now if, uh, if they clean things up. And leaving runners on base. Um, they left nine guys on again last night. They left the bases loaded early in the game. Um, I, I think one of the strengths of the team will be the offense. They, they've lost six of those nine games by two runs or less. I think the bats will need to carry them, and I, I think they will. They just need to put together a, a couple timely hits and maybe a little more consistency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's not like they're getting blown out. Like they start zero and nine, but they're in most of those games. Those are some tough losses mixed in there. Like you said, the bullpen's a little shaky. Which if you're in, if you're playing close games all the time, that's probably the one thing you want to be uh, be consistent and be solid. So hopefully they get that ironed out. The the offense did, I thought, look pretty good. Um, so uh, hopefully they'll kind of get on a roll here as we keep going. And, you know, before we go, just one other thing that I wanted to touch on that I've really appreciated about the Ferry Hawks in their uh, short tenure so far is that the owners are like, really really committed to involving and engaging the Staten Island community you know from the naming contest to the local food vendors in the stadium that you were talking about and then they had this cool thing where they were signing the Staten Island Little League players to these potential future contracts and all this stuff so can, can you just talk to us all about uh, the, the ways that they're kind of embracing Staten Island and trying to get the community involved in the team
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, nobody it, nobody knows whether they're going to succeed or not, but one thing that can't be said is that, that, that they're unbelievably dedicated. Um, it, that Whether the team succeeds or not, it, it definitely won't be an indictment on their effort. Um, the general manager, Gary perone has been super outgoing and bringing in people from all over the community, getting people involved. Uh, the team president, Eric Shuffler, was literally going seat to seat on Monday night, Putting sponsorship stickers on 7,000 seats. I was—I literally watched him do that. Get up, sit down, put the ah. stickers on each seat. So these guys are super dedicated. They're really invested. Um, and they're putting the finishing touches on this team, and and I hope for their sake that uh, the attendance keeps going throughout the summer, and that the team really does uh, ultimately find some success. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know, thank you so much for joining me today, Nick. It was a pleasure talking baseball with you, and I look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.